Hey, it's the debut episode of Roots Music Rambler. Today, you'll learn who we are, why we're here, and what you're going to learn about the artists, writers, musicians, fans, and more as we explore more than who influenced them. We're going to explore the what, why, and where as well. So, uh, get a bourbon, pop a squat, buckle up. It's time for Roots Music Rambler! Whether you're picking and grinning or just picking or just grinning, grab a drink, pull up a seat. It's time for Roots Music Rambler. Turn it up. All right. So, all right. So you think that this Oliver Anthony uh, character was like a, like a prepackaged thing and this was all planned. Is that, is that, was that right? I, that's not what I think. It's something that I read about, um, um, you on know, Fox news. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Um, no, so it, I am in Facebook music groups and stuff like that. And some people are really serious about things. Some people are more casual. Um, honestly, I didn't know about Oliver Anthony until you sent me that clip of him. I don't know, however long ago. And I even, I was like, who is this? Right. Like, and you're like, he's blown up. He's all over the place. I'm like, oh, okay. So I I had no prior knowledge. Um, and then all of a sudden he starts popping up on like all sorts of news outlets and our mm-hmm. local news here in Chicago had did a clip on him or a segment. And I'm like, okay, well maybe this guy is the real thing. Admittedly, I did not pay too much attention to like the entire song. I knew the basics, you know, I, I caught the gist of the message. Um, <laughs> But I didn't really give it a thorough listen. And then I started seeing people, you know, especially on social media, posting about how, um, like, comparing him, uh, I, comparing him to other country artists um, and not in a flattering way. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, saying how he's, like, he was planted, right? Like, the story of how he just came out of nowhere, Um and you know, like this has been planned, right? Um, as, and especially like it's a more of a right wing sort sort of thing. Oh, um, and then I'm like, do people really think this, or could this be possible? Like, I don't know. And on the other hand, I don't know if I really care. Um, but what I do know is that you know, dude's got a good voice. Mm-hmm. Um, I like I like the rawness of it. Um, the song is catchy. Um, and you know, who doesn't love like, just like this sort of, um, not rags to riches, but you know, like this, this undiscovered talent that just shows up one day, you know, who doesn't love those feel good stories. So I want to believe that he came out of nowhere. Um, and then I hate that everything, even a dude, some ginger dude in the woods singing about you know, how the world has wronged him um, has to come with such like this political strife, you know, and um, I hate that. But then I hear like these, like how people were saying that this was, you know, planned and all that. I can't help but think about it. Well, could it have been? And I mean, anything's possible. Right. Um, So, yeah, I don't, I don't know that I believe that it was planned, but um it certainly entered my 
Well, here, here's thoughts. here's my. I mean, I, first of all, when I first heard the song, I was like, "This is really catchy. This is speaking to a generation and a yeah. seg segment of our population, so it's going to catch on." Um, and I I didn't find him before he blew up. It was like in the middle of the blow up. I think it was after, the second day after he kind of uploaded the thing to iTunes. Anyway, so I started going back and looking at his old TikToks and his older music, and I was like, "Oh, this this guy's a good singer songwriter. Mm -hmm. Like he." He's got talent. He's got a couple songs that are even funny. I always appreciate somebody who can come out with a good, you know, tongue in cheek kind of song too. So I was really kind of getting into him and whatnot. And the thing that really has resonated with me is it took him a while after he blew up as we could all probably appreciate that. He was like, Holy crap, <laughs> dumbstruck by all this stuff. Sure. But about a week later he came out and he just him recording a video in his sitting in front of his truck. Um, and it was raining. You could hear the rain coming down on the roof of the truck. And he was like, Hey man, it's been a while since I've talked to you guys, but here it is. And if you watch that whole video, I just think this guy's incredibly authentic. And if it's a, I mean, if it's an act, he's the best goddamn actor I've ever seen. Um, because he just reeks of honest, real, um, you can tell he, from the stories he tells and the things that he writes, he's been through a lot of shit. Yeah. And he, and he feels for people like him who have been through the same shit. Um, and it just, it resonates with people. I can't help but think that this is a real, you know, uh, Robin hood kind of story of this guy came out of nowhere and now he's a voice for a generation, which his generation needed a voice, frankly. Um, you know, I mean, there's several others out there, Tyler Childers chief among them, I'm, I'm sure, but he's speaking the truth for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah, so. most definitely. And when we, you know, if you examine the roots of, you know, country music, folk music, um, a lot of the songs, you know, coming out of even that part of the country were, um, you know, against the government or against like the mining companies. And so it it really fits in with that whole like storytelling um, I don't want to say mold, but you know, it fits. Right. Yeah. Um, so like I said, I, I hope that it is authentic, that everything about it is authentic because we can always use a feel good story. Here, here's what I'm waiting on. I'm waiting on the Oliver Anthony mashups to come out. Uh, I've seen people doing versions of the song, which is fine, but I, I, I came up with a mashup, uh, oh. that, I, that I want to see it's the, the music, uh, to Richmond, North Richmond. Uh, mashed up with the lyrics uh, from the theme to Fresh Prince of Bel Air, and 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 I'm I'm going to perform it for everybody. So brace yourself. Oh, here we go. Oh you my ready? goodness! You ready Jason, for this? I don't have a drink. Okay, come on. <laughs> All right, here we go. I'm going to try it. Here we go. This is going to be podcast history right here on episode one. <clears throat> Let me think. In West Philadelphia, born and raised on the playground was where I spent most of my days. Chilling out, maxing, relaxing at school, shooting some b-ball outside. I, I forgot the lyrics. Anyway, <laughs> I oh, think that's a wow. hell of a mashup right there, kids. Somebody, yeah, yeah. Here's our next feel-good story right here. Jason Falls, mashup maestro. <laughs> you can see how much of this is gone. That's where we are, and we're just starting. Oh, oh my would, goodness that would be fun so some i i am not a uh, uh obviously not a singer and i'm certainly not a musician and i couldn't possibly do any of that so if we have a fan out there listening to the podcast 
who can do that, do it. And we'll debut it here on the show. And we'll, we'll point everybody to your iTunes so you can make $40,000 a day. There you go. <laughs> yeah, right. And then maybe we, can idea, make like, maybe we can make like $4 a day. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Roots Music Rambler. She's Frank. He's Falls. And we're rambling through on uh, the stories behind the music we love. Today on the show, we'll talk about the show, who we are, why we're here, and what you're going to hear. Learn and love just by hitting that subscribe or follow button and joining us each episode. That's right. We sat down with country artist J.D. Shelburne to talk about his new album, Neon Hallelujah, but also dig into his roots and rambling from Taylorsville, Kentucky, all the way to the tops of the country uh, charts. And we'll share our weekly picking. Huh? We'll share our <laughs> weekly picking the grinning. Yeah, we're going to share our weekly picking the grinning. Tell them what, all about it. What is that? What is picking the grinning? Come on now. I'm not from Kentucky. Well, so we're going to share our weekly pick in the grin, and we're going to share our picks for whose music is making us grin the most this week. Might be new artists, might be old artists, but they'll sure be good. Oh, look at that. All right, let's let's bring it back to center here. So before we kick all this off, though, um, I want everyone to know up front here that Roots Music Rambler, this is technically episode one of this iteration of it, but it's not the first episode of this podcast or the brand as a podcast. And it has a, a historic concept uh, that comes from uh, my co-host, uh, Francesca Bolognazzo. So, uh, Frank, tell us about the uh, the concept of the show and, and how Roots Music Rambler came about. I was living the life as a travel blogger, travel writer, um, travel has always been a passion. Writing's always been something I enjoyed um, and I was sort of good at. Um, the other thing I love a whole lot is music. And, and I know that sounds generic, but like um, I really enjoy the music, the craft, the, the writing portion of it. Um, and that all started for me when I was like 10 when and I'm totally dating myself when uh, Springsteen's Born in the USA album came out. There you go. Um, I wore out that cassette tape in my bright yellow Walkman. And um, it was the first time that I got to see music as a means of storytelling. Okay. Um, up until that point, you know, it was the mid 80s. So, yeah, there's all kinds of stuff on the radio. Um, but once I heard Born in the USA, the album, um, all of that other stuff just became noise, right? Um, I started thinking, and I've always been an avid reader. So now I'm 10 years old and I'm, I'm already thinking, well, songs are like, they tell stories, you know, just like books do, right? Mm -hmm. um, and that's when I really, really, really became interested in the songwriting and storytelling portion of music. Um, and I never, I really never went back after that. I mean, of course, you know, I, there are some pop songs and stuff that I get into, but, um, fast forward decades and I'm traveling and, um, a lot, writing a lot, still listening to a lot of music, trying to keep up. And then I start discovering artists that sing about, um, where they're from, where they grew up, uh, places that have inspired them. Just like I remember thinking about Springsteen in the mid eighties, he sang about Darlington County. I had no idea where Darlington County or what, it, where even it was, you know? So, and I didn't know until I pulled up my world book encyclopedia and I looked it up because <laughs> yes, children, this was long before the internet. 
Oh yeah. So, the old um, world book. That was internet one, one dot Oh, you know, that was, that, that was my, aside from music, my world book encyclopedia set was my window to the world. Yeah. And, um, so yeah. And I, so then I started wanting to visit the places that, these writers, um, artists were writing about and singing about. And I remember one such trip, like the first one I ever did was in 2004. Um, so my favorite band nowadays is Sunvolt and uh, the legendary Jay Farrar um, is the front man songwriter. Um, well, from their first album, Trace, which came out in 1995, is a song called Tear Stained Eye. And he, Jay wrote and sings about um, the town St. Genevieve in Missouri. Mm -hmm. And um, like it, I, I'm like, I have to go to this town. Like this song is incredible. And, you know, I just love Sunvolt. I love Jay. And um, so I dragged my mom to St. Genevieve, Missouri. Um, she and I went down there actually for a Cubs game against the Cardinals. Oh, and I'm like, God. mom, while we're here, we're going to St. Genevieve. And she's like, okay, what is that? Um, you know, so I was like off in my own world and she was just following along. Um, but, and so that was like the, I, like I said, that was 2004. And that was the first time I had the idea to do something like this. Um, so what was it like 2017? I'm like, and my travel blog was doing pretty well. I was pretty well established. I'm like, I need a side project. I need this side project. So I thought it through, um, came up with a name, Roots, Mu Roots Music Rambler. Um, and within like a couple of months of just the conceptualizing it, um, I had a gig to go over to Dublin, Ireland and write about Tradfest, a huge uh, traditional Irish music festival in Dublin. Um, so I'm like, oh, this is it, right? Um, and then the world closed a couple of years later, and you know, that all just kind of went down the drain. But here we are now because of my good friend Jason here, who had the idea to resurrect it all. Well, and and let me tell you that story um, because um, Frank and I met at a travel conference in 2016 or 17, about the same time Roots Music Rambler came about as a concept for her. So I knew she was doing it. And I grew up on John Prine. Um, you know, I grew up on uh, Waylon Jennings. My stepdad was, had this real eclectic sort of, you know, album collection. And so I listened to everything from John Prine to ZZ Top to the Beatles, et cetera. And so I had, and, and he and my mom went to, I, I think I saw John Prine live like five times before I turned 15 years old. Um, and so I was exposed to this growing up, but I was a young kid. So, and it was the eighties. So I liked hair bands and shit. Um, I didn't have an appreciation for good singer songwriters, good country music, good Americana music until I got older. And then I started to really like remember all of these things that I was exposed to growing up. So I, I had this, like a new roots music rambler was happening with Francesca and I was paying attention to it because it reminded me of, you know, songs that I heard growing up and whatnot. And I really liked what she was doing. So I was following along. Well, the pandemic happened and, and it kind of faded away. And so fast forward to last, I think it was probably uh, May or June of, of 2023. I'm literally, I, and I apologize for the, the visual. I'm sitting on the shitter <laughs> and I'm listening on my phone to Tyler Childers' new album, Can I Take My Hounds to Heaven? 
and I'm, I'm literally listening to that song. And, and then it goes into, I think, you know, was, uh, I, I listened to Hallelujah Jubilee or whatever, uh, Angel Band. Um, and so I, I'm listening to this album and I'm thinking, man, Tyler Childers music has evolved so much in the last four or five years. Once Sturgill Simpson started producing his stuff, it just had a different sonic experience. It was bigger. The band was a bigger sound. Yeah. It wasn't just him and a guitar. And I was like, this would be really fun to sit and, and talk to somebody about. This would make a really good podcast episode. And as soon as that thought entered my mind, I immediately thought, oh, shit, Root, Roots Music Rambler. I'm, I, I got a crazy idea. So I literally jumped into a text or a Facebook message or something to Francesca and said, I've got a crazy fucking idea. Let's bring it back as a podcast. You were texting me from the shitter? I was on the shitter. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I didn't know we were at that point in our relationship. You're, you're welcome. By okay. The way. Okay, great. <laughs> I was listening to music on the shitter. I had the idea. I had to get it through the out. I had, I had to get it out in more you ways had to than get one, it apparently. out there. Oh my goodness. That's great. I, I didn't know you were on the shitter. Fast forward, you know, a couple of months and here we are. Here we are. The first episode of the Roots Music Rambler re revival. It like, it really, it like things started rolling, you know? Um, yeah. And I'm so thrilled because this was, you know, the travel blogging, it started out of a passion and it was just an outlet. You know, I had no intention of turning it into um, a career or a livelihood um, but the, it kind of just took on its own life. And then the Roots Music Rambler blog and podcast sort of became like my passion project. Um, so, you know, now that it's back and it's resurrected and it's a thousand times better because of Jason's help, um, <laughs> you know, I am, I'm so excited and like, I, I tell everybody who will listen, um, and most people don't care, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm truly excited and it makes me even more excited to go out and see live music, um, try to, um, discover some new acts locally, um, you know, and just talk to people and hear their stories. Well, and we're going to talk more about, uh, what our plans are in terms of, uh, who's coming up, who we're going to see and all that good stuff in our, uh, picking the grinning section. Uh, which comes up after the interview. So make sure you listen all the way through because we're going to talk about some of the artists we're listening to now. And one of the great things about this show, uh, I, I don't claim to be a music expert, but I like to explore. I, I know Francesca likes to do that as well. Uh, and we're going to bring you artists you probably never heard of uh, mm -hmm. or or our you know, recommendations that you we can put you on that you might like. Uh, so that's another great, uh, great reason to listen to the show, especially that end segment where we say, okay, here's who I've been listening to lately. Here's who I'm going to see. And, uh, and all that good stuff. Now, uh, we are, uh, I am sipping on bourbon and I'm almost out. So we're going to take a quick break for a refill. Uh, take a moment, if you will, and listen to uh, more about the awesome sponsors and help make this show happen. This is Roots Music Rambler. Hey gang, I was not a flannel guy until I found uh, Muskox flannels. Now I don't want to wear anything else. Well, I mean pants, you know, but you know what I mean. Anyway, so Muskox is a premium flannel shirt that comes in various colors and styles, but also all season or heavy. So they have different weights and thicknesses. They even have sizes that fit big boys like me. Now, uh, Frank, I hear the ladies like the flannel look. Is that accurate? 
Yes. Yeah, there we go. So uh, one Muskox Flannels customer actually said they are buttery soft but built like a tank. I resemble that remark, especially when I'm wearing my Muskox Flannels. They also, by the way, give $10 of every $100 order to support wildlife conservation, so you're doing some good for the earth and the animals on it with every purchase. Visit gomuskox.com slash rambler, browse the collection, and get you some buttery soft built like a tank premium flannels. Make sure you use the code RAMBLER, all caps, and get the discount on your order. That's gomuskox.com slash rambler. Use the code RAMBLER, buttery soft, yo. That might be my new hashtag. So, uh, JD, I, the first thing that I, that I wanted to ask you is, you know, I, I'm a I'm a music fan. I I'm not a music historian. I don't listen to traditional country radio. I listen to just artists that I like. Um, and if someone were to ask me to describe your music, I would say that your music sounds like pop country. Um, but then, but I'm also one of those people who doesn't believe that there should be a rift between outlaw country and pop country and all that kind of stuff. So I just think it's good music. And if you like it, listen to it. How would you describe your sound to people? You know, I grew up on nineties country. Um, and when I got in college, um, I listened to a lot of nineties rock. So I feel like I'm kind of a, a mix between both. Um, you know, I didn't start playing music until college. So, um, you know, I listened to the radio, didn't play any guitar, didn't sing, but uh, I just love what sounded good. And about, I guess, you know, I was senior in high school in 2001 through about 03. That's kind of when guitar came to my life. So at that back at that time, you're, th- you're, you're looking at Matchbox 20, yep. you know, uh, you know, Garth was kind of fading out a little bit. Then you had Jason Aldean on the scene, Keith Urban, mm-hmm. uh, Goo Goo Dolls were starting to kind of become a band and, and have some success. And so all those people kind of, kind of in one mold, um, you know, and uh, those kind of helped me, you know, um, mm-hmm. when I would teach myself to play songs and when music kind of, when I found guitar, you know, it was like, you know, what's popular? What can I learn? What, what can I sound like? And what can I sing? And so I, th- those would be my band, Hootie the Blowfish, those, those folks. Um, so if you, if you mix like nineties country, pop country with some nineties rock, I, th- I really think I'm, I'm so somewhere in between. That's, that's cool. Now tell us the story. You, you, uh, found a guitar, uh, when you went home for your grandmother's funeral. Is that right? That's the story I've heard. Yeah. So when I graduated high school, uh, in Taylorsville in, uh, 2001, um, my dad was a principal mom's mom stayed at home with my, with my, me and my brother, my whole, you know, uh, school, pretty much school life. And, uh, um, music was never a thought, man. It's, it's wild. I mean, I, I played sports my entire life. I was on traveling ball teams. We played basketball in the, in the fall, baseball in the summer. So when one was sport was ending, it was time to start the other and they'd overlap a lot of times. And so I, I never had any time to barely listen to the radio. But when I got in college, um, you know, sports were kind of behind me. I'd graduated. I, I didn't play college sports. I just chose really – I honestly just didn't get a big enough offer to really say, okay, I want to do, I want to do college basketball for in four more years. I just went to – I went to Kentucky to, to get a degree. And, and um, my parents back home were like, you got to go to college. If you want to be successful, you got to get a degree. Uh, we don't want you sitting around the farm. Um, and so – we, uh, I went to college in 2001, right, right, the second of high school, the second I graduated. Well, I was at UK um, living on campus uh, for just a few months, and my grandmother back home uh, passed suddenly. She, she wasn't sick. We was didn't expect her death, and uh, and so um, went home for her funeral. And uh, as we do when we go home for a loved one and for a funeral, you're you're around the family for three or four days. You you attend the funeral. You go to the house. You have you have supper at the house and. While I was at her house, I found an acoustic guitar, 
And uh, I knew she had an acoustic years and years ago um, because my uncle, she bought it from my uncle for Christmas. And so when I found that guitar, um, I just kind of, sports was, sports was behind me and it was kind of a newfound hobby and little did I know what it changed my life. I was going to say, you went from 19 years old, picking up a guitar, having (laughs) never played before. And I don't know how many years later you're launching a a music career. That's been pretty damn successful. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. It's, it's been a, it's been a wild ride, man. I, you know, it took me from about 2000, uh, June of 2002 is when I found the acoustic. That's when my grandmother died. I didn't, I didn't really start getting my feet wet playing shows about till about 0405. I did play on a college campus a couple of times, open mic nights. <laughs> of course, back then that was a big deal. I look back at those. Those were just stepping stones for me to figure out, you know, if I could entertain people, uh, would I get nervous in front of crowds? And so, uh, so you look from about 02 to 05 is really, really the gap it took me to really kind of get this off the ground. That's a pretty quick turnaround. Yeah, it was. I, I mean, was, that that's impressive. Yeah. I, but it was like, like anything, you pick up something you love to do. You don't stop doing it. You know, you, yeah. you find ways to get better. And uh, to be honest with you, uh, it was just a, the hustle and grind that kept me interested, you know, trying to find gigs, trying to build fans, you know, <laughs> everywhere you went, people wanted to see you play or, you know, if you can make somebody's sad day, a happy day, when you brought, when you bring, when you bring that guitar out, start singing, it's just like an instant, it was just like an instant happiness for all my friends, my fans. And, and uh, those kind of things just kind of kept me going. At what point did you realize <clears throat> I'm I'm going to do this. Like if this is going to be my life, my career, I can make money doing this. How fast did that come? You know, it's kind of hard to remember that. I, I think back to, um, you know, I played a lot of smaller gigs uh, when I first started. Um, I mean, people knew my name from sports back at home. Uh, people knew my family in my hometown. We had a, we had a you know, we, we, have, we have a big family back home. So uh, once people started getting kind of word that I was playing music, they were became interested. I, I'd get calls to play Hey rides. The the sheriff would call me when he was running for sheriff. I'd get the county judge would be running against the other county judge. I played both their parties, and um, I just the word started getting out. It was, it was honestly it was like the only, I was like the only country singer within a hundred mile radius they could book, and it was I felt like I'd got every call for the longest time. And um, once I started, uh, you know, once I got in college, I was kind of on the slope of of graduating college. Kind of like you know, do I want to go to Nashville? Do I want to move to live to Louisville for a while? And then I started playing. Uh, some bars around Louisville um, and actually started packing every place I played. It was crazy, man. I mean, I wasn't making that much money back then. I mean, I, I was making just a few hundred bucks, but I felt like I was just, I felt like I was just having the time of my life, man. And that's when I kind of was like, man, I think, I think I can give Nashville a shot and just see what happens. And uh, sure enough, man, packed my bags in 2008 and uh, moved down here in February and have never looked back. That's absolutely crazy. Good for you. So, I want to go back to, did you, I want to go back to the grandmother story a little bit, if you don't mind, because one of the things we're really interested in is not like the musicians or the artists that influence you, but the, the environment, the people. I wonder, did, A, did your grandmother play or what was music like in your life when you were a kid before you started playing? Well, uh, my grandmother did not play. Um, she bought the guitar from my uncle, which I later found out after her death. I remember my uncle and my aunt keeping us when we were kids. They got married back in the early nineties and we'd go stay at their house on the weekends every now and then. And he'd, he'd bring that acoustic out. He never could play it, but we just thought it was, it was just something to do at home as a kid. You became interested. I mean, I, I was, it was years ago. I, I may have looked at it from the chords, but it's set, it, it's set in the case for years and years. But uh, mom sang in the church choir. Dad didn't sing at all. Um, I did have a cousin uh, named Guy Shannon. He, he, he was very successful. 
he uh, he he was signed to Cinnamon Records in Nashville. Uh, don't really remember him growing up that much. I mean, he was a distant like third cousin from of me. Um, I mean, when, once I got in the music business, moved to Nashville, I realized how big of a deal he was. And but back when I was a kid, he was it, it was never talked about. Um, but uh, mom sang in the choir. But one thing I remember about my parents is when we'd go to Reds games or we go to Kings Island or go on family vacation to Myrtle Beach, we would always control the radio. And it wasn't what mom and dad listened to. It was what we wanted to listen to. My brother Tommy and I, who's younger than me, uh, it was always us, Billy Ray Cyrus, Alan Jackson, Garth, Clint Black, all those folks. Uh, we, 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 we controlled the radio. So I think early on, country kind of got itched in my blood, yes, on car trips and, and uh, you know, um, um, you know, anything would involve a radio is, is kind of where uh, music became, uh, became prominent in my life. But like I said, I didn't even know I could sing, man. I, I did sing, I did sing in high school. Like one thing I tell people a lot is when I was a senior in high school, well, even from freshman to senior, we, we took school buses to all the games. And so you got to think 2001, we had one cell phone in the whole family. Cell phones weren't a thing back then. You, you still had beepers and pagers. I didn't have one of those, but we had my parents. We had one. That's agentist, isn't it? We had once we had one cell phone. And when I went out on a date or mom went to the grocery, we shared that phone. We didn't have four phones. It just wasn't a thing back then. And uh, when I was on the bus to school rides, we, we would play a boom box and we would just sing at the top of our lungs. And I think that's really where I started kind of like learn how to carry a melody. And I could tell I was on pitch or off key and were those bus rides before guitar was even a thought. And so, I think back to really where I got my start and it had to be on the back of a school bus about 98 through 2001, just, just singing, just singing the CDs, man, Kenny Chesney and all these ball games. We, we just thought we were rock stars and had no idea what, what rock star even meant. It's and, definitely uh, different than what crazy. I was doing on the back of school buses. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Jesus. I get it, man. <laughs> anyway. So, Wait, um, so you're a Reds fan. Yeah. I'm a, yeah. A huge Reds. I've been a Reds fan my whole life. Um, it was the closest sports team to my, my parents' house. And um, I think half the time we thought they were in Louisville, you know, <laughs> I just played a Reds game actually. So it was, it was a cool moment for me. Yeah. Oh, really? That. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Um, that. that was cool. So my Cubs will be in Cincinnati on Friday. Just yeah, I, out there. I went to a Cubs game. Uh, they had me to Cubs game when I, went, I played in Chicago last month and I went to a Cubs game and my PR firm helped me get some like really awesome tickets to Wrigley cause we'd never been. So I took my guys as a gift and we're sitting there, and I, I didn't. I don't have a Cubs jersey. I had a Mariners jersey on because I just wanted to wear a jersey to a baseball game. Well, this lady comes up behind me at Wrigley. She's like, hey, um, welcome to the game. She's with the Cubs organization. I was like, thanks so much. And she's like, have a great time. Well, about 10 minutes later, here comes the big Titan trying camera. And they put me on the camera at Wrigley Field. And they're like, country artist J.D. Shepard, have a Mariners jersey on. I'm like, had I known, I would have oh, wore a Cubs jersey. It was a cool moment, though, to be on Wrigley Field's big jumbotron. It was cool. No kidding. Oh, that's great. Yeah. I put it on YouTube. It's on YouTube. You have to check it out. It was a okay, cool I, Yeah, for sure. But I had a Mariners jersey on. So I should, if I would have known, <laughs> I'd have spent 250 bucks on a cool Cubs jersey. But I did. Yeah. So. Oh, we're, yeah. we're representing the NL Central today because I'm a big Pittsburgh Pirates fan. So we got oh, three yeah. of the five here. So Yeah, That's cool, man. Stuff. Yeah. I, drummer played for me one time as a big Pittsburgh fan. He, he used to always talk about Pirates all the time. Yeah, well, we're we don't have a whole lot to talk about most days, but uh, well, I get it, man. I, I've been year. a Reds, I've been a Reds fan my whole life, so I, I know what it feels like. <laughs> well, I've been, you know, I grew up in Kentucky too, so I've been, I followed the Reds. My uncle used to take me to Reds games when I was a little kid, so but my dad lived in Pittsburgh growing up, so that's oh, cool, man. How I how I came to know the Pirates. Um, so you uh, your 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 
dad was, I think you said your dad was a principal and your yeah. mom stayed home. Would your, your mom was a teacher before kids, right? Yeah, she was. And then once we went to college um, and, and got out of high school, she went back to school. She just retired January from teaching. So um, she was in special education at school. So she, uh, she, I think she just wanted to be home with us. You know, we were always on the road and she was, we actually live on a farm too. So we were raising tobacco my whole childhood. So, you know, they were working tobacco and when we get home from school or in between school and practice, we'd be cutting tobacco and, you know, mom had to hire the help, you know? And so she was kind of, she worked, so she didn't sit around all the time, but she, she took care of us growing up and packing our baseball bags and we had washing our uniform before games. I mean, you talk about a rock star mom, my mom was it still is. And so, uh, but yeah, dad, dad was, has been in uh, education uh, my whole life. And he just, he retired back. I want to say Oh five Oh six. And so uh, I was raised, that man, you got to do your homework first. And if you don't, you will pay the consequences. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Paid off. So, so tobacco farm, um, and, and your parent where your, your parents farmed it. Like they weren't just yeah. educators. They, oh, yeah. they farmed the land too. huh? Oh yeah, man. We live on about a hundred acres of property and my whole life from the time I was, a, I can remember to uh, college when we moved it, when we moved to, uh, college and moved to Nashville, uh, dad, we raced tobacco every summer. It was a, mm -hmm. Uh, something my, my grandpa did for years and years. My dad was a kid and he kind of passed it down to my, my dad and my dad, uh, you know, continued it on until really tobacco didn't sell it and that we didn't make as much money off of it as we used to. And it was actually harder to find help. And so once my brother and I, uh, I call it got smart <laughs> and went to college and moved <laughs> off the farm, my dad realized he just couldn't find dependable help. And so, yeah. um, you know, trying to find help, good help. And then, you know, it wasn't selling. It was a lot harder to sell. I think he just, just decided to finally give it up. But to be honest, man, those, those days made me a man, man. I, I tell you what, the tobacco was tough work. And uh, it, it, I, I think back to those days when I'm sweating on stage and you know, out working, <laughs> everybody else is sick. You know, I'm, I'm like, man, those days is how I made it right. Today is how I made it days because of those old days on the farm. So Thank I'm you. grateful for those, those times. Well, Do you have any songs about um, the tobacco farm? Oh, so many. I, I mean, my whole, my whole catalog. I have six albums out. I mean, you, you can literally just walk through my life off my records. You know, I've talked about my grandfather's truck and uh, <laughs> I was like, I just got so many stories uh, that, that, that my music shaped. <clears throat> well, and, and, and one of the, the, the reasons that I at earlier asked the question about, you know, how you describe your sound, because I would describe it as more pop country, which is not necessarily what a roots music podcast would get into, but I love the fact. And the reason I wanted you to be one of our first guests was because in, when you go through that catalog, like you are telling sto the stories that good lyricists tell about who they are, where they're from, what shaped them. Um, I believe farm town was, was that your first album? I think that was my was sec. Yeah, it came out. My first album uh, was self-titled and it came out in 12 and then farm town came out in 14. So I, I was pretty new to Nashville, those first two albums. And so farm town had grandpa's truck on it, which yeah. was, I, I love, I just love that song. It made me think of my grandfather. And yeah. so, thank you. but like, you've got, um, you on every album, there's five or six songs that are, they just scream Taylorsville or for me, <laughs> small town in Kentucky, right? It's, oh, it, yeah. that's the fabric of what you write about. It is man. Uh, I wouldn't change it for the world, man. I, I meet so many people along the way that I've met this through music that, that sing about small town, but never lived in one. And <laughs> it's just like, it's, it's hard to like, how do you, how do you, you know, fake that, you know, but um, there's people out there that do. And, 
you know, growing up in Taylorsville, man, I, that's why I go back every couple of years, do a free show in town, give back to my hometown fans. We, we don't charge a dime for it. And uh, I mean, those, I feel like, I feel like I live the ultimate childhood as an, as, as a, you know, as a Southerner, my, my parents have been married, gosh, I'm almost over 40 years. I grew up on a, with all my grandparents and my brother and, and we went to church every time the doors were open. And when we weren't in church, we were playing sports and it, like I lived a great childhood. And so small town had a big part of that. And I still think about, you know, those days, even when I'm living in Nashville and trying to teach my son what it's like to get dirty every now and then he has no idea right now, man. I mean, I grew up where you could walk right, right out back and get on a tractor and drive to Dairy Queen at, at seven years old on a tractor. Cause it was legal. You know, it's think about that. You know, it's like, I don't know. I don't think I trust my son on a power wheel right now, you know? And it's just like, um, it's amazing how, how much small town changes you the way of life. And, uh, just how much, how, just a lot of good people come from my small town. So I love to talk about it. It's all I know. I mean, what else is there to talk about? You know? Now, were you, were you like me when you were a kid? Did you and your brother have a bike and you'd get on your bike and ride wherever you wanted to go in oh, town? Yeah, man. Sure did, yeah. man. We used to do all that stuff. <laughs> ropes went build rope. We we actually lived. We actually lived. Uh, we didn't live on the farm a whole lot. We moved moved up to the farm in '99. My grandfather uh, and my grandma and grand, grandpa had kind of gotten in bad health, and uh, my dad kind of wanted to see the farm kept in the family, and so uh, we had moved up on the farm in '99, built a home on the farm. But before that, we lived up uh, up on Stevens Lane. It's still there, man. And uh, we used to hang out with my neighbors, ride bikes, and. Just do, do so much fun stuff, man. And uh, those were the days, man. We all had those. <laughs> yeah, you bet. Don't go away. We've got more with J.D. Shelburne. This is Roots Music Rambler. Hey, Ramblers. I have experienced a revolution in sound in my house, and you can too. The revolution is driven by Sonos. The Sonos wireless music system lets you play any song in any room Control it all with the Sonos app on your phone or tablet. Sonos has all the connections to give you millions of songs and stations, including connecting to your iTunes, your Spotify, Pandora, and more. Get a wireless Sonos player and hear the sound quality difference. Then get one for all the rooms in your house where you listen, but might be out of reach of the stereo or Bluetooth speaker you normally use. So I've got one in my bedroom and bathroom for when I get ready in the morning. I've got one in the kitchen and living room for when I'm hanging out with friends. And then down here in the office den for when I'm working or setting up for another episode of the show, I happen to like the Sonos Move, which is one of the speaker models. I can put it out on my patio for cookouts. It's a weather-resistant design, has an 11-hour battery life, so I don't need to plug it in out there when I have people over for cookouts or tailgates or whatever. And I can play music on all or just a few of the speakers, so I never lose my jams going from room to room. Try the move and hear the difference, then hook up all the rooms in your house for an excellent listening experience while you move around cleaning or dancing or whatever you do in the privacy of your own home. Listen to Roots Music Rambler on it, for God's sakes. It makes me sound even more handsome. Go to rootsmusic.link slash sonos, S-O-N-O-S, rootsmusic.link slash Sonos. That'll take you right to the Sonos Move speaker page to purchase. I highly recommend it. And you'll love how much better your music and podcasts sound. Go to rootsmusic.link slash Sonos. That's rootsmusic.link slash Sonos. So um, I wanted to to talk about the new album. It came out in, uh, I believe, July. Uh, or late June, one of the two. I've seen, God, I've seen so many 
performances from the Kentucky State Fair. I know you're doing something this coming weekend with the Evans Williams experience, and uh, you've been all over the place. I've seen – I can't tell you how many times I've seen you perform some of these songs. Thank you, man. But I wonder – this is album number six for you. What's what's your writing process like these days? Are you writing while you're on the road? Do you go to the studio and write it all in one place? What's the process for you to put these things on paper and then get them on on the on the recordings? You know, most of the time um, I write during the week when I'm home. Uh, you know, when I'm, on, when I'm on the road, I feel like my my brain's just on a brain fog. I'm trying to focus on where's the next stop. Um, you know, uh, what are we doing tonight? You know, what's where's the show? What time to start? And, I mean, I've tried to write on the road and I can sometimes, but I feel like I'm, I'm better. Like it's more of a clean slate for me when I come home Sunday night, I can rest today, then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Uh, you know, now since the pandemic, we're writing on Zoom. I, I stay here at the house and I write on Zoom. It's wild, man. But um, you know, I always come to. I always, I've just got so many ideas. Or I hear, I'll hear somebody tell me something in meet and greet or some little little title that sticks in my mind. That they they say like the other day, uh, I had a lady come up to me and she said. Uh, it was called, uh, oh, uh, raised on, raised on the good stuff. I was like, man, she goes, you were raised on the good stuff. And I'm like, man, that's a great song title about, you could talk about nineties country, yep. grandma's cooking. I mean, and so, yeah. <laughs> so I actually have a, I have a writing session tomorrow morning with a guy named Rob Simbeck, who's he's, he's wildly successful here in Nashville. And I sent him the title and I'm, he's like, I've already got lyrics for it. So, you know, I feel like, um, I just, just talking to people gives me ideas. Yeah. And then I'll write stuff down and, and then uh, I try to meet during the week on, on, you know, just, just write stuff. I mean, I've written a lot of bad songs, but I've written, I've written a few good ones <laughs> that I play live. What's your, uh, what's your favorite song off the new album so far? Uh, probably, well, a couple. Uh, if you ask me my favorite song, I got to record with the Oak Ridge boys. So uh, I'm going to have to say that's my favorite song. I, I got to cut amazing grace uh, with the Oak Ridge boys. I don't know if you can see it behind me or not. No, it's, it's, you can't see it. I'll turn my camera. That's, that's the lyric sheet. We, uh, that's our studio. Uh, we, that day they signed a lyric sheet they use. And so I had that frame, but, uh, but yeah, uh, Ogre's boys, number one, uh, my, my favorite song on the record is a song I did not write. It's called Panama city six pack. And, uh, my old neighbor, Mark Nessler has written a ton of hits and, uh, he sends me demos and I, I hear songs that's never been cut. And I heard this song and I'm like, man, this is a, this is a smash hit, man. Golly, can I record this? And he said, yeah. And, uh, and so I did. And, um, it's, man, it's, it's a banger and, uh, yeah. I'm really excited about it. People are loving it. And it's, uh, yeah. it's been, it's been popular for us on our live set. That was the last, uh, the last live uh, recording that I saw from the state fair. Yeah. 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 I put that on. Yeah. We put that online. Yeah. They, they, we cut our whole, uh, our whole set that day, but, yeah. um, we just, I don't know. It's like summertime. I love going to the beach with my wife. And I, <laughs> I, it's like, you know, what's funny is I, I cut a song called Panama City Beach, but I don't think I've ever been to Panama City Beach. We go to Destin, Seaside, uh, Perito Key, we, 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 everywhere but Panama City. So I think I got to go to Panama City. All right. Well, we're, we're going we're gonna to cut this and send it to the Panama City newspaper so that they can <laughs> out you. Let's do it. <laughs> So I want to, I want to, my favorite, I'm going to tell you my favorite song off, off the album, uh, frankly, and it actually ties back into kind of what we're talking about with your lyrics and being from a small town and whatnot, uh, the song listening in. Oh yeah. Um, thank you, man. I love that song because now I, I don't know if, if you've ever been to Pikeville, I would imagine you have at some point, uh, but anybody who's ever been to my little small town in Eastern Kentucky, um, there was a, a, a Jerry's restaurant there and, 
in the mornings uh, during the week, that's where, you know, all the old fogies from town would meet and have their coffee. Yeah. And if you went uh, at a certain time, or if you went after the football game on Friday night, cause everybody would gather there and eat after the football game, all the old folks would sit in this one little corner and, and, you know, reminisce about the good old days or whatever. And I remember specifically going in there for that reason to sit and listen to what they had to say. Cause I was really fascinated with their stories and that, I mean, I could have written that song. I, I can't write songs, but I could have written the lyrics that happened to me. And that's the kind of small town experience that I think your music kind of brings out and shares with the world. Cause I can identify with 90% of what you're writing there. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah. That was actually the last song I put on the record. And speaking of Rob Sinbeck, I'm actually writing with him in the morning. Him and I wrote that song and I started testing it live. And, and I grew up in Taylorsville. Only thing we had was a, we had like a Linda's grill. We had a couple little small town diners, but Dairy Queen was a place to go for breakfast. And like, Every time you'd walk in Dairy Queen, you'd see like those 10 old men over there in the corner li- reliving the glory days. And it's just like, <laughs> you know, and then, you know, I've written, it's, it's like, we all know, had those spots, but like I played in Shelby County, uh, Kentucky once, one, it's probably a couple years ago, uh, one night. And I played a private event for, uh, for the Humane Society. I think it was, it was some event. It was up in this really nice, elegant, like loft and it was all decorated nicely. And I was just the entertainment. And so I played the show and this guy came up to me, he had, he had a, he had a few too many to drink. And uh, he's like, have you ever written a song about the, the liar section and the Dairy Queen? I'm like, dude, you hit the nail right on the head. <laughs> and I went home that next week and I was like, this guy approached me about his, uh, told Rob the story. Rob and I write a lot together. And, and we wrote that song, man. And, and I tested it out live and, and uh, I recorded it and decided to put it on the record kind of last minute. And I'm so glad I did. It's actually a very fun song to play live because I can tell my story of how I wrote it. We mentioned Heaven Hill in it. I remember when when uh, when all that went down, and then of course some of my family lived at the Taylorsville Lake, lived uh, uh, lived where the dam was built. You know they were forced to move, and uh, you know that, that was devastating for family back. Yeah, and speaking uh, of Heaven Hill, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so you know it's just devastating stories that people I think still talk about, and um, you know I, I just I feel like that generation of of, um, of, of older people is kind of fading. You know, yeah. You, you walk in these old restaurants, you just don't see those people talking about the old yeah. times anymore. And uh, it's really sad to see. Yeah, you're, you're right. And I think, I mean, as much as I love technology and I love the, the fact that we're able to, you're sitting, we're all three sitting in our homes in different cities and different time zones and everything, having this video audio conversation. I love technology. But when I, when you say that, what it makes me think of is not only is that not happening as much anymore, it's not going to happen in the future either because everybody's locked into their device. They're not having conversations. They're not building real world memories. It's all virtual. Yeah. And, uh, it's a kind of a sad, sad state of affairs. So there's another song you can go right now. It is sad, man. You hate to hear it that way, but you know, it's just, it's wild. You don't don't realize how much, how fun life was when you didn't have phones and, (laughs) You know, you just you went out and you played a baseball game or you played a pickup basketball game or, yep. you know, you, you you just there's just so many good times I had growing up. You know, back in the day, you just went and cruised in your truck, you know, and listened to your new CD you bought at Walmart. I mean, those those you don't realize how special a time that was, you know, and it's just like now it's, you know. Some of these rental cars I rent on the road don't have CD players anymore. <laughs> it's wild. Well, I, you're da- you're you're dating yourself, but I'm going to date as a, I think I think Frank was cassette tapes. I don't think I don't. I, think she went back. I go back to eight tracks, baby. Oh, so I had, I. I had REO Speedwagon High Infidelity, baby, in my eight track player. So That's, um, yeah, I remember Dad having a couple three dollar night eight tracks when we were kids. We had no idea what eight track was. We we came out. It was cassettes. 
uh, when I was a kid, and and then it moved into CDs. And I, we, every, you know, you get that CD, and you know, and you forget to put it back in the case, it scratch up, then it wouldn't work again. Yep. It's just like we hated that. And then Napster came along. We all downloaded <laughs> songs for free. Then I remember my, my dad set, set me, my brother and I, down one night and says. Uh, you're going to get us arrested if you keep pirating music. We're like, what the, what's pirating music mean? And so we, dad made us stop downloading music on Napster in like 99. So it was fun. <laughs> that's good. Well, that's kind of, I'm glad, I'm glad your dad did that. Cause I'd hate to think that here you are a big artist, depending on, you know, you know buying your music and you were, exactly. you were a big pirate. So that's good. I know. We didn't know what we were doing. We we're like, it's free. What, 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 what we right. pay for what, you know, we didn't know. Guilty. I know. Right? We all were. Yeah, I think I I may have I may have been uh, next on their list of people to arrest and stop arresting <laughs> yeah. people. Could you, is, is, let me ask you this: Is there somebody in prison right now that got that got arrested for pirating songs off Napster? Surely not. I mean, that's a great story. If so, like nah, I wouldn't I mean, think they're in. I think like, there's probably some people who did a little bit of time, but I think we're. I think it's like, clear now. it's like, what'd you do to get in here, bro? Oh man, I downloaded that new Goo Goo Dolls record '99. <laughs> I'm still not out. <laughs> I can't even imagine. <laughs> can't even that's, imagine. Yeah, Iris. Iris is what did it for me. <laughs> oh man, love that it. Johnny Resnick. I, I know it right. I love it. <laughs> so, um, so I, I'd love to to hear your take on this because I I love to think about and listen. I like to listen to an an artist's catalog, and I kind of obsess with going in order and listening to things like that. And I, I'm always trying to pick out what I think the evolution of their music is. They started out sounding this way and now they sound this way and, and how that happened. How would you describe your evolution? Has your music changed much since your first album in your opinion? I think it has a little bit, but not like holistically. And, and, and why has it changed? Yeah. You know, um, I think it's changed a lot, to be honest. My voice has changed. I found my sound, you know, I moved to Nashville in February of 2008, I had played a, a quite a bit of gigs. I, you know, built up a little fan base. What wasn't too big, but I built up a fan base and built up a bunch of friends that followed me in college. And I thought I had a pretty legit shot of, of you know, uh, making a living doing this. And um, I look back at my first album in 2012. I actually put out a demo record in about 2000, I'd say, set six, seven. And um, it was just a bunch of karaoke songs, really me singing my favorite songs. And I it's funny, man. Like about six months ago, a guy came to my meet and greet in Lawrenceburg at my show. He goes, Hey man, I got something for you. And I was like, you look really familiar. And he brought me a CD that he replicated from 2006, my very first demo. Ooh. And I cut it, I cut it in his basement. And, and he was like, you don't know how, how honored I feel to, to, to where you've gotten to know I, I was the first person that ever recorded you. Wow. And I'm like, man, I, I, I said, I won't forget that. I said, I had no idea even what reverb even meant, you know, in microphones and stuff. And, I look back at that album and listen to it. My truck, man, it was horrible. I was embarrassed. I don't even, I, I, I'm like, I'm going to pay that dude to never share that because as like, it was just, it was bad. And, and then I, and then I moved to Nashville in 2008. Um, I was still singing cover songs. I was still technically a cover band trying to build my name. And then I opened up, I did a couple really big shows, opened up for Steve Warner and Joe Nichols at Louisville Waterfront about 2009. I think it was about 15,000 people there. It was a really big gig. And Steve told me, he said, man, if you want to get to the next level, start singing your own songs. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that's good advice. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, after the, after a few, uh, you know, a few different, um, few different years of just 
pounding the road and making money, saving money, I put out an album. And, uh, you know, it was songs I'd written, songs I'd rec- written with friends and stuff like that. I didn't really know any big time songwriters. I didn't really know any, any huge, like any well-known studio musicians. So I ended up going to finding a guy that played every instrument and put it in, you know, put up, played my songs. And it was great. I had a hometown release party, about a thousand people showed up. And back then, man, I was like, man, I've made it. This is crazy. <laughs> and I built off that, man. I put a record in 12, 14, 16, 18 past COVID, we put one out in 22 and then, uh, or in 21, and we just put one out in 23. So, um, every year, man, every two years, I've just gotten better. Uh, my songs have gotten better. Um, I moved next door to a number one hit songwriter a few years ago. I was recording his songs and then he started writing with me, teaching me how to write good hooks. And, and, uh, I've, it's, it's, it's crazy to watch the evolution of, of, of my music and my voice. Um, but I, I feel like the, the more you practice, the more you sing, you know, the more you shoot basketball, the better player you're going to be. Just like, you know, the more gigs I play, the more confident I become my vocal range. And uh, I feel like now I can sing at the White House if they'd call me. I mean, I've done I've, – I've literally done everything. I mean, I've played in front of thousands of people, and I've been in front of some of the most successful people in the world and just trying to share my story and trying to win them over. And, um, you know, just being on the road and, and, and singing songs and just practicing and playing gigs has really kind of kept me going. Well, you've, you've got tenacity and, and you, you don't stop, which is awesome. And that energy is going to take you a long way for sure, even further than you are now. Um, I'm curious in that evolution, who's, who are there, is there anyone specific that has taught you more as you've grown as an artist? Who have you learned from? You know, uh, when I moved to, uh, when I moved, I lived in an apartment in Brentwood for a while. Uh, several years, I worked a couple of daytime jobs during the day, make ends meet. I mean, I was, I was actually making more money playing music than working my day job. It was wild. But um, I wanted to live in Brentwood because I always heard that was where, kind of where songwriters lived and stuff. But it was, as you know, I don't know if you know anything about Brentwood. It's 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 expensive. Pricing, and yeah. so I worked a, I worked at an insurance company for, for several years. And uh, it's funny. I lived off I lived off my insurance money and, and banked my music money. Mm. And uh, and once I moved to Brentwood, I started uh I started meeting other songwriters, um, and then I met this guy named Bob Stewart. Uh, to be honest, we don't we don't even talk anymore. We um, we just I got so busy with touring, and we still talk. We don't write anymore, I should say. But he really helped me uh, take a really bad song to a pretty decent song. And he was a, he was a he was a good writer too. And he him and I kind of worked together in twelve and fourteen, way 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 early on. Um, and he put me help me put together a couple of albums. We'd write together, you know, once a month and stuff. And so, and then, and then um, I moved. I left Brentwood, and uh, my I had met my wife at the time, and we bought a house in Hermitage, and uh, we ended up. Uh, well, back before we bought the house, I moved next door to a number one writer. His name is Mark Nessler. So if I look at like connecting the dots, Bob and Mark would would kind of would would connect dots because Mark had had lots of success. He had written hits for Tim McGraw. He had written hits for George Strait. Uh, he wrote number ones for George Strait. He wrote, he's written for, uh, he wrote the title track to the uh, Gwyneth Paltrow movie, uh, Country Strong. He wrote that song. I mean, he, he had written so many huge hits that I grew up singing in college. It was wild. And <laughs> he was building a house in Franklin the same time I lived beside him in an apartment. And so uh, I ended up getting a two, be- I, I lived in a one bedroom for a while, got a two bedroom, moved next door to him while he was building his house and just happened to meet him at the right place, right time. And the funny thing about that is when as coming to Nashville as an unsigned artist, daddy wasn't a star. Mama didn't sing at the Opry. I was literally starting from grassroots. And they told me, you got to start writing with hit writers. Well, it's, it, 
it's there's no such thing as trying to find it's like you can't just call up a hit writer and say hey man i'm uh i'm jason falls just got the national you want to write they hang up on you well when you move next door to one and you become friends it's like mm-hmm. they kind of believe in you and they want to help you and that's how mark did mark mark took me under his wing and started to teach me to write wrote with him a lot didn't want to bug him but i wrote with him every every time he'd call me be right over it was never canceled uh and you know he helped me he's helped me produce my records from 2016 18 and the last i mean the last four and uh i got on cmt because of him because my writing improved i had great songs he knew people in the business and then he bring me. He would bring me in the room with his other hit writers. So it was like it was a win-win for us, man. And so, you know, I, I think back from Bob Stewart and and early on to Mark Nestler, and 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 so go on on and so forth, man. I've just met so many people on the way, and you know, now I'm at a point in my career where, you know, I've I've, I've done great for myself, and I've been able to help other people that I was there in their shoes at one time. And so, um, it's funny how full circle moments happen in the music business because. You know, doesn't doesn't matter how successful you get. Somebody's going to call you and ask you for advice, and I love giving it. Do you have a wish list of writers that you would like to collaborate with? Yeah, you know, uh, gosh, well, some of the some of the biggest. Uh, there, there's a guy from Kentucky named Ashley Gorley. He's written like 50 number ones. Um, I think he's. I want to say he was born in Kentucky. I mean, he wins like Songwriter of the Year down here. I've never recorded one of his songs. I've never I've never met him. Uh, Ashley Gorley, Shane McAnally, Craig Wiseman, those three are like the, the three Kings, man. I mean, they're, I mean, they're writing number ones. Like, I mean, I swear between those three, I'd say they have one to three songs on the chart every time it comes out. Wow. And, uh, you know, I feel like their, their, uh, their songs are, are, are number one for a reason because they're good writers. So if I could pick, they'd be one of those three for sure. Don't go away. We've got more with JD Shelburne. This is Roots Music Rambler. So uh, you, uh, you've got a three-year-old yep. um, and you're on the road a lot, obviously. Um, you kind of spelled out earlier that you're kind of home Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and you kind of go out for the weekends. Yep. But what's it like pursuing this kind of lifestyle, this kind of career, having a wife and a young son at home? That's got to be a lot to juggle. It is, man. Um, my wife and I, she's been my biggest fan for a long time. We met in 2010. And so she's been on the road with me. She's sold my merchandise. She's fired people. She's, <laughs> she's chased, she's chased bad checks a couple of times from different clients. And, uh, yeah. and now it, when, uh, we could, I could write a book, man. And now that Jax has been born, she stays at home with him. And so it actually makes me want to rush back home faster. It makes it coming home even sweeter. Um, you know, we FaceTime now, uh, with Jax and, you know, I'm gone quite a bit, but I'm also home a lot. And so mm-hmm. there are show there are lots of shows where, you know, uh, like for instance, we played the Reds game uh, a, a couple weeks ago. Got to bring them to that. Jack's got to be the little nugget of the game. So <laughs> I've been able to incorporate Jack's in a couple shows. I swear he's he's a bigger rock star. Jack's has fans. It's wild how many how many fans my son has, and and uh, <laughs> all he does is just poops in his di- in his diapers. You know, it's like he's got more fans than me. But uh, it's funny though. We, we're having a blast with it, and uh, luckily I have a really good wife that 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 understands my career. Knows how important it is. Knows I'm going to be gone. Uh, knows I got to entertain people, and uh, there's no jealousy. And um, I feel like you know uh, there there can be a lot of jealousy in the music business. You know, you're in front of you know, I'm in front of a lot of women. Um, you know, play in front of 
crazy crowds that throw stuff at you that, that are in for a good time. And she's been, um, she knows I'm faithful and, and she knows that, uh, you know, whose house I come to to, home to every night. So I've, uh, we, you know, a lot of the music business, you know, I have a lot of friends that, that are single that, you know, it's, it's hard for, for your partner to understand, you know, you have to win over fans every night and, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, you just gotta know your, you just gotta know your boundaries. And so, uh, luckily I was raised right. And my, my wife and my son are, are my number one priority. And so, uh, when the shows are over, I'm, I'm in the car, I'm in the bus, we're heading home. So, uh, we're, I live an exciting life, but I tell you what music career makes my life go, my life go way too fast. And, uh, Jax is three next month. I feel like he just, I feel like he, like he, he was just born. It's wild. Oh yeah. <laughs> I just sent one to college, dude. Gosh, don't even say that. Yeah. Serious. Uh, yeah. And he was not okay. No, uh, I was not okay. We and and it was actually uh, right down there. Uh, he's he's at Belmont. Uh, oh, in nice. Nashville. Awesome. And Great place they, for him to be. It is, and he wants to be in the music music business too. So at some point, maybe we'll cross paths. But I'm sure. Um, the Belmont has a uh, matriculation ceremony, and I was fine until the part of the ceremony where they have all of the new students, the freshmen stand up and say a blessing over the parents. And then the parents say a blessing over the kids. And then the administration says a blessing over the families. I lost it. I was absolutely just in a pool of tears. I just couldn't, couldn't take it. Is it a private institution? It is. Okay. Yeah. It's a Belmont's very, very highly respected. I met songwriters. I met people in the business. I mean, anybody that's, that's on music row right now, Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would say 75% of our Belmont grads. I mean, well, your, your PR girls of Belmont grad. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's exactly right. She, she, yep. she and I were talking about it uh, as we were talking about getting you on the show. So yeah, it's mm-hmm. a, it's a great school and I'm really, really happy for him. She's he's, a great person to know too. So keep her on your back pocket. Oh, don't you worry. We're, we're interviewing people for a living here. So <laughs> <laughs> she's going to be on speed dial. Don't you worry. Yeah. You got a good, con- you got a good connection. You know, I, I hired her actually for my new record. I was with another PR firm for about four years and uh, just want something new to kind of freshen things up. And I hired her. So she's been, she's been wonderful. So, well, Hey, real quick, before you go, what's your, what's your take on this old Oliver Anthony character, <laughs> man, they said he's making 40 grand a day. Now, do you believe that What $40,000 a, a day? I don't believe anything I read online I anymore. So I don't I, I, I mean, I I've mean, heard the stories about how he turned down money for the Super Bowl. I don't believe that. I, I saw the exact that. same story with Jason Aldean, like two days later. So, I mean, who, yeah, I, I don't believe that. I, I mean, do you really think he down? came out of nowhere, or was this no. like, like he had this, like this has been in the works for a it's while, been in the works. right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. I don't know. I I don't I don't know. I'm not I'm not there yet. I I think this guy because I've I've watched his TikToks, went back and looked at him, and he literally goes out in the woods and plays his music and whatnot. And now he did a, a good recording of that song and whatnot. So he was moving in that direction. Yeah. I, I still, I got faith here. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I think yeah. this kid just, just had a really good song. He's been working on his music for a while. Yeah. And it just, it hit a, uh, it hit a chord with people. Yeah. It's wild, man. I, I, the song did make me laugh. It, it was very catchy. Just, yeah. the, the, just, the, just his anthem, the way he sings it. And it's like, you know, uh, it's like, he's pissed off at everybody, but you know, yeah. and it, it makes sense. The song makes sense. I mean, it's like, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's like we've all been there, you know, yeah. and the fudge round, the, the fudge round part of the song, man. Yeah. I mean, who doesn't like a fudge round every now and then? I mean, I'm guilty of that, you know, right. but 
It's like, like I, what, what's I, a I owe my physique to that bitch, little Debbie. So, <laughs> exactly. You know. What's a fudge round? Oh, oh. It's, like, it's like a it's a, so do you know what an oat, like an oatmeal cream pie is? It basically, it's like an oatmeal cream pie, but it's like chocolate oh, yeah, fudge. Okay. So basically, uh, the same. It's like the same uh, idea, but it's just chocolate fudge. And, okay. Uh, it, uh, the song. It's funny how he says like they don't tax the fudge rounds on people, or I don't know what he says exactly, but yeah. I don't know. I just I find it. Uh, I mean, there are things that happen that that just, you know that go viral and stuff. I've I've seen. Pe- I know people that's been that's went viral, uh, but. They said he made forty grand a day. I mean, that, that's. I mean, that could be true. I mean, that's, there's a lot of money to make in the music business, but forty grand a day? Can you imagine? Well, I mean, he's not making that all off of streaming. I mean, no way. No, no yeah. way. I I did see something that that impressed me, and I know he he's come out with a couple of videos where he's like, you know, I'm I'm not going to sign with a big record company, and I'm not going to do this because that's not what it's about. And if that's true, if that's really him, then good on him. But uh, one of my favorite comedians in the world is Tom Segura. And uh, he's down in Austin, Texas, and he was doing a, sh- a local show there working on material or whatnot. And he he and his people apparently flew Oliver Anthony in and he was like a surprise musical guest at a comedy club uh, last night or the night before. Oh, I think and I that, saw it on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. And that was it's Joe that Rogan, was the, wasn't it? Yeah. Something like that. So I was like, oh, this is that's very cool that he's making. Did you see it? Did you get to see it? I did. I did. I saw just a little clip of Tom introducing him and then and then it cut off. I didn't see the performance, yeah. but. You know, he came out. He's got a another guitar player kind of playing rhythm with him or something now. So he's I can he's tell you one, a little bit bigger. We'll see. I can tell you one thing. He'll get a lot of work. He'll get a lot of tour dates and stuff. Oh yeah. I he mean, will. he was probably making like four or five hundred bucks a night. Now he's probably making like eight thousand, twelve thousand bucks a show or something solo. Yeah. Maybe yeah. more than that. Who knows? Man, well, good for him. Good for That's him. Right. I, I, I mean, we we are music fans and I don't care what the, the story is. I don't care if it was set up. I don't care if it's a ruse. It's good music. It, people yep. identify with it and we should celebrate it. Amen. JD, man, we'll let you go, buddy. I appreciate this. Yes, uh, sir, man. Um, but man, I, I really wanted to have you on for all yeah. the reasons I told you and uh, big fan. Love what you're doing. Can't wait to see you blow up and you know, Thanks, be man. selling out arenas, man. Yeah, if I let me do, let me know what I can do to help you guys share. And and when you get this out, let at least know, and I'll blast it on my social so my fans can hear this and get them on your bandwagon too, man. All right, welcome back to uh, Roots Music Rambler. This is the uh, the my favorite segment of the show because this is where Frank and I talk about the the, the what we're listening to. And where we're going and all that good stuff. So if you're going there too, then come up and say hey and stuff because we stuff. like that. Um, just uh, please don't grab my beard. You can touch it. You get, get but let or me your know butt. You, let, yeah, well you can grab my butt all you want. I don't care about that. The beards it, it hurts a little bit. So you got too many people tug on it. Um, anyway, so uh, Frank, what you got? What you got coming up? Who you? Who you? First of all, who you listening to? Who have you discovered recently that you like? Oh, who am I listening to? Um, much to my teen's amusement, um, I've been listening to some Boy Genius. Oh, whoa. Um, yep. Love it. Um, love the sound. Love the melodies. Um, and I, you know what I kind of love about it? That it's not like, you know, it's not always a happy ending, right? It's kind of okay. realistic. Um, but no, I'm digging Boy Genius. Um who else am I listening? I can't wait for the new Tyler Childers album. Um, who else? Oh, Morgan Wade, Morgan Wade put out a a new album that, uh, was released last Friday. Um, 
a lot of people I know who are into Morgan Wade um, are not happy with this release because um, it doesn't sound like her previous album. Um, and sometimes I fall in that category, right? Like I'm, I can, I can be a bit gatekeepy, but um, <laughs> I'm, I'm excited though. Like I actually listen, I listened to it and I paid close attention and I'm like, I really dig this. Yeah. It's, it's not as like twangy um, as the last album, but you know, she writes all her own songs, writes yep. all the lyrics. Um, and she, um, she works with Sadler Vaden, who is the guitarist in Jason Isbell's band, the 400 unit. Gotcha. Um, so, you know, he's, he's so talented. Um, and she's got a whole, you know, on this album, there's a whole lot of other collaborators. Um, Natalie Hemby. Um, uh, who else? Oh, I think Derry DeBorha is on the album too. He's also from the 400 unit. Um, so yeah, I really dig in the new Morgan Wade album, Psychopath. Um, and who else am I listening to? There was another big one that came out. On, oh, Turnpike Troubadours. Yes. Um, I have not really dived into that yet. Have you? I I haven't. Well, yeah, I have actually. I I have because a couple of weeks ago, um, my 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 good buddy Joe Ray Thornberry. I've known this guy all my life. He calls me every now and then and says, "Hey, man, I got an extra ticket to go see so and so." Um, and I saw uh, uh, Justin Towns Earl for the first time with him. I saw uh, Old Crow Medicine Show for the first time with him. Like he'll just randomly call me and we have the same taste in music and we'll just go somewhere together because he's got tickets and I don't even know when it's like, he'll call me the day before. Um, and he called me a couple of weeks ago and he's got, Hey, I got uh, turnpike troubadour uh, tickets at the Ryman. You want to go? And I'm like, fuck yeah, I want to go. Um, and I, I, I committed, I said, yes, this was like on a Tuesday. And then I had a big client thing that popped up and I couldn't go. And so I was pissed, but that week I was listening to their, their new stuff. So, uh, it's good. And I would definitely recommend if you, uh, if you, even if you don't know the Turnpike Troubadours, go check the new album out. Uh, because that's, that's awesome. Now, uh, I, uh, uh, and, and, and actually one of the benefits of not going to the Turnpike Troubadours show, I had this work thing, a big project that I had to do, but I made myself that night go out to dinner with, uh, the woman who turned out to be my new girlfriend. Now, uh, Karen is her name and she's not a Karen. She's my Karen. So it's a different Karen. Um, but, uh, she is a huge drive by truckers fan. Um, and, uh, I know you've got the poster, right? She, that's the first thing she said when she saw, uh, what we were doing. She's got a drive by truckers poster. I like her. So she's huge drive by truckers. So I've been, uh, re, uh, reinvigorating my knowledge and understanding and familiarity with the drive-by truckers. So that's been the last couple of weeks for me. Um, good stuff. It is good stuff. I'm going to see them in a couple of weeks, by the way. But go you ahead. are. Where, where are you going? Uh, Bloomington, Illinois. Okay. All right. Very good. So drive-by truckers. That'll be a good show. I'm sure at some point I will will see them. Probably multiple times. Knowing it uh, seems like they're always on. touring. I mean, yeah. I have yeah. seen them. In, in the last, since the world opened up again, I've seen drive-by truckers, I don't even know, like at least a dozen times. Well, there you so go. you'll have plenty of chances. Yep. I, I think if we ever do a meet and greet, uh, the, the, the main dude there, the lead singer guy. Patterson? That, that's my competition, apparently. Oh, well, Karen and I are, <laughs> we're going to have to talk. Oh, jeez. He's my hall pass. 
That's what I, that's what I need in my life is women drama. Um, anyway, so did you hear what I said? Yeah. Yeah. My work wife, my work wife and my girlfriend are going to, we're both leaving you for Patterson hood. This podcast was a bad idea. I can tell you (laughs) right now, my God. Um, anyway, so, uh, so yeah, I've been doing that and I've also been, um, old crow medicine shows got a new album out. I have not, I've listened to two songs. I like what I've heard so far, but I'm going to dive into that this week as well. Um, but, uh, I, uh, the other uh, act that Karen is a big fan of is Ryan Adams and she has traveled the world, literally gone to like Ireland to see him play, um, and, or Scotland rather to see him play. Um, and, I lucked into in this newfound relationship. Uh, she had four tickets to see Ryan Adams in October at Red Rocks and uh, her cousin can't make it. So oh, no. I get to go see Ryan Adams at Red Rocks. Shut up. So yeah, it's I hate mid, you. Mid October. Uh, October, November. You said November. I can't imagine it's, Red it's Rocks October. in November. It, it's October. Okay. It's October like 16th. I think it's like a Monday, but we're going, we're going to Red Rocks to see Ryan Ugh. Adams, which I'm very excited about. Um, and that's going to be a lot of fun. And we're also going to see SG Goodman, which I'm hoping we can get her on the show. Yeah. Uh, she's, she's great too. She's a great singer songwriter from Kentucky. Yeah. Got to shout out my Kentucky girls. Um, and we're going to see her in November okay. uh, when she comes through Louisville. So nice. I'm excited about all those and I'm sure there's going to be plenty more. So stay tuned to, uh, the, uh, pick and the grinning part, uh, or grinning the picking part, whatever grin we're the, pick, segment. pick the grin, the pick. I don't know. We're, uh, we're, we're stay tuned to this. Cause you'll, you'll hear where, who we're listening to and, and where we're going to go see folks live so that maybe you can hang out with us and, and, uh, you know, and we can and, have a bourbon and, and pet the beard. There you go. <laughs> Roots music rambler is a production of falls and partners. Copyright 2023. Our theme music is Sheepskin and Beeswax by Genticorum. Join us online at rootsmusicrambler.com and make sure you mash that subscribe or follow button so you remember to join us for the next hoedown and throwdown. She's Frank. He's Falls. And whatever you do, I gotta kids. say something else next. And whatever you do, kids, ramble on. Well, because I've been talking to two dudes from Kentucky for the last hour. Um, I love it. Her daughter's uh, making her her debut on the podcast right out of the gate. Right? In the background, lurking like a weirdo. Um, Got got the daughter and the dogs all in one one fell swoop today. Thankfully, the dogs shut up. Um, Yeah. All right. So we're going to share our weekly pick in the grinning. And we share our picks for whose music is making us grin the most this week. Did you already say that? I did. That's okay. Go ahead. Keep going. All right. But it might be new artists. Might be old. But you can't have hiccups when we're recording a podcast. Yeah. Go play in traffic. <laughs>